Welcome to Unapologetically Us, the podcast where immigrants and their children celebrate our unique heritage, consider what it means to live in between cultures, and contemplate what it means to be American. I am your host, Dr. B. Thank you again for joining us. Again, I am your host, Dr. B. I am a media psychologist. I research all things related to identity, social identity in particular. And I am glad to have with me today, Shay Brown, who is a comedian and actor who is of Nigerian descent. My friend told me about your show coming out and I was looking forward to watching it so I can offer my analysis for my blog. But then I learned I couldn't even watch it here. It's airing in Nigeria, so I was bummed. But before we tell people about your comedy special, I wanna start with your story. I love really Mm -hmm. hearing about people's story. And then we'll talk more about your comedy special and hopefully when we can see it here stateside. So were you born here or in Nigeria? I was born and raised in uh, Lagos, Nigeria. Oh, okay. So when did you come to the States? That was 13 years ago, 2008, the summer of 2008. Okay. Uh, So Uh, I got here from Lagos. Okay. How old were you around that time? I would say I was well in my early 30s. Oh, okay. I'm 31 or 32, yeah. Okay. So I guess you would categorically be first generation according to the literature because you came here, I guess, in your 30s. Usually people who come in their 20s are considered first Mm -hmm. gen. Yeah. So I'm always curious to know what people's impressions of America was when they they first arrived. Do you recall (laughs) that moment when you first landed? Uh, Well, I have uh, my own version of, you know, like my culture shock story. Uh-huh. You know, which is what, you know, I'm working on next. I remember uh, one of the things I uh, was surprised about was the language spoken. You know, like in Africa, you know, that the two, you know, like lingua franca in most of the African countries is either English or French. Right. So I thought that was, you know, like if you have not traveled out, you think that's how it is all over, right? Right. So when I got to the U.S., I thought it was going to be like English or French, but it was English or Spanish here. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Then two, I realized that there isn't like a religious fusion like we have in Nigeria where Christian holidays and Muslim holidays were observed. Um, Muslim holidays are not observed in America. It's more of Jewish holidays and observed in America. Right. And um, animal rights. I realized that in some cases, it looks like some animals have more rights than humans. And, you're right. You know, it's so true. <laughs> you, know, you, you know what I'm saying? So Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the way animals are being taken care of, especially pets, mm-hmm. I was shocked. My bone marrow, I'm like, let me tell you, my first culture shock was the way the animals are treated. And, you know, somebody said their dog is depressed. I'm like, wait, what? Their dog like, is what? Their dog was depressed. Depressed. I'm oh, like, wow. I'm like, you watch, you have time to watch your <laughs> dog to know that your dog is depressed. <laughs> You must be jobless. Like, <laughs> what the level of, you know, uh, idleness that will make you, you know, like know that your dog is depressed. And two, when I saw people walk their dog, I saw people hold bags and I'm like, what, what, what are those bags for? They're like, uh, so when the dogs poop, they pack it. I'm like, you pack dogs. <laughs> In Nigeria, it's the other way around. Dogs pack apple. You know oh, what? really? Like, what, the what in the world is going on here? Like, let me tell you something. If somebody sees me doing that, they're going to call my parents to say, your son has lost his mind. He's now fucking <laughs> animal dung in America. So I'm, I'm guessing you don't have any pets now after being I here for 13 years. Pets. <laughs> I am not a pet person. But my kids have a cat. They're mom. You know? Oh, a cat. They so have a cat. 
Yeah. You don't have to clean cat poop. They right. You don't have to really pick up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have leaders. Yeah, they have cat leaders. That they yeah, yeah. So I'm learning to all that. So when you first landed, where did, did you land through JFK or LA or? I landed through Detroit. Detroit. Like, okay. I, I flew to Is it Lufthansa or um, it was through uh, Holland? Okay. Yeah, I flew through Holland and Lagos to Holland and Holland to Detroit and Detroit to LA. I was exhausted by the time I landed. I just, I couldn't uh, wait. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember one of my, okay, yeah. The first shock I got in America was, I didn't know there was a three-hour time difference between East Coast and West Coast. Because uh-huh. on my boarding pass, it says we leave Detroit by 12 uh-huh. and we land in LA by 1. So I thought it was a one-hour flight. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I had to add three-hour time difference. So uh... we kept flying and in my head, I thought we had passed an hour. Yeah. I said, okay, all right. Then mm-hmm. I would I'm like, I think we've been flying for about two hours. So I called the flight attendant. I'm like, are we still going to LA? She said, yes. I said, um, <laughs> when are we going to LA? She said, in another two hours. I'm like, I said, but this is a one hour flight. It's a 12 right. to one. And she was like, oh no, there's a three hour time difference. So you added two. I'm like, I know that. Jesus, I, I almost passed <laughs> out because I was hungry. Oh, wow. Tired. We flying for a whole day. It was, so oh speaking, God, yes, that was the first thing I learned. Speaking of hunger, then what did you eat? I mean, once you get into the airport, there's McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, all this. Well, I don't know if Chick-fil-A was around during that time, but what did you eat? Were you waiting to get home so someone can make you some kind of stew with some kind of swallow or did you eat American food? All right. Yeah. Yeah. So when I landed, the first thing I ate was uh, fries and burgers. My, it wasn't <laughs> McDonald's. It was a local burger called Checkers. Checkers oh, is checkers, more like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, checkers are, they are fried. They, those people make the best fries, man. It's they like, do, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I took checkers and the next thing, the next thing I was searching for was Nigerian restaurants. Yeah. Because I've been eating that all my life and I'm like, I can't be eating burger all my life. Yeah. Then I didn't know how to cook. I had to start learning how to, you know, make mm-hmm. the regular soup, you know, like mm-hmm. egusi and okra and obono soup and all. So, because yeah. I, I just, I wasn't used to this. American food is everything has cheese in it. Cheese, yeah, cheese, cheese, cheese. I'm like, cheese. nope, I'm tired. Cheese and sugar. I had a friend yeah. who came and she she was like, what's all this food? I just want rice, you know? So she was kind of turned yeah. off by the pizza and everything. Yeah, and I, you know, Jamaican food, they have rice, but no stew. I'm like, what, who eats rice without stew? They have stew. That is an abomination. They have stew. They have brown stew chicken. It's not like ours. It's the broth from the chicken and seasoning. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I wasn't used to that. <laughs> okay. I just wanted food with spice in it. <laughs> so can you recount any situations, whether relationally or at work, where you observed a conflict between your Nigerianness and your Americanness? You were you've been here for 13 years. At what point did you start noticing mm-hmm. any tensions between being Nigerian and being American? Because your comedy special is called Nigerian American. So I'm curious about when you started noticing those tensions between yeah. back home and here. Let me tell you, what I first noticed was more of, to my surprise, was between Africans and African-Americans. I was surprised that there's a bit of division between Africans and African-Americans. And I was like, why is there a division between us? We're supposed to be united. But they, I realized that some of them see us as taking their opportunities. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Africans see them as lazy. And you know what I realized? I realized that this was done by the media to create a division. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while of research to like, why do right. come the impression that oh, African-Americans are lazy? Because that's what the media portrays them at. Right. It's the same way the media has portrayed Africans as 
hungry people, right. disease infested. So when they see Africans, they just think we're still like barbaric people swinging from tree to tree. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are some of the challenges I had to like had to overcome and face, you know. I'm like, why should the um, criticism of me come from my fellow, you know, black brothers? Mm-hmm. You know, as an African immigrant, I was so eager to blend with my African-American brothers so that I would be one. I realized that that wasn't the case. You know, some of them are very receptive, but others just see you like, you know, you coming to take our opportunities. I'm like, no, that's, yeah. we're coming to add value, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in the long run, I realized that, that that was, that was the work of the media. You know, the media made you believe that, yeah, they are lazy, they don't want to work, but it was later, I, you know, I, I read about redlining, I read about, mm, you know, yeah. the criminalization of the black community here in America. It's like in every black community, there's a trap that is set for the average yeah. black kid, mm-hmm. you know, to fail. Mm-hmm. So it takes parental guidance. And mm-hmm. I also realize that the parents that are supposed to guide them are either in jail or working two to three jobs because they don't mm-hmm. have the same opportunities as their, as their white counterparts, you right. know? So it, it's it's a trap that has been set there. Right. You know, and they know that by taking the parents away, there's a high possibility that the home will not be in one accord. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. these are some of the things I noticed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's part of the systematic racism Mm -hmm. happening in America that you don't see, but, you know, when you see the red lining, you know, on equal opportunities between blacks and white, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. those are are some of the things you would notice as an immigrant who is very observant. Yeah. It's not like black folks are lazy. Black folks are some of the most hardworking people. Yeah, I mean, they built this country. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, They made it against all odds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've come to appreciate them more, Mm -hmm. you know, after, you know, the longer I stay, the longer I appreciate that, you know. I mean, you if you watch TV, watch, you know, social media and all, you see how the disparity between the treatment that is given to blacks and white in this country, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. Just sad. Just sad. Right. I agree. And it's been it's the motivation. It has been the motivation for my research to look at the role of the media in constructing the way we see one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and my most recent project, I went to Nigeria. I was for the second time ever in my life. Um, and I went with the goal of studying how American media might impact how Nigerians see themselves and also how they see African-Americans. And I got some really interesting findings to see just how much people rely on the media for how, what their beliefs, the beliefs that they hold about their counterparts here in the United States. But we'll get there. We'll get there um, a little more there later. Now, comedy. Did you always want to do comedy? Uh, How did you find yourself in comedy? I would say as far as, um, I would say 14, 15, I just knew I wanted to be the class clown. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was always, you know, like, I wanted to be class clown. I wanted to say something funny. I wanted people to laugh, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's how it just started. And I think it started when I was 12, 13. I saw uh, Eddie Murphy's um, Trading Places. Mm-hmm. And after that, I'm like, yeah, I want to see more movies of this dude. So I started watching every Eddie Murphy movie. Until date, my favorite movie of all time is still Coming to America. Coming to America, yeah. What did you think about the yeah. second one? The, the newest one? I like it because let me tell you, that, that, that movie's like, what, 20, 30 years apart? Yeah. And they're still able to bring the laughs and all that. Mm-hmm. Of course, it can't be as good as the first one. Yeah. That first one is Never as good as the first time. Shade, Never, the, but, the prophet but, Shade said it. <laughs> you know, but I think I'll, I'll give them a, a pass marker, like an A. a. Okay. I'll give them a, 
A plus. I don't know what you guys call it. A minus A something. <laughs> yeah, this stuff. And he must have scored an A with him because he was still able to, you know, create the laughs yeah. and all that. It's just, yeah. you know, that's because it's a genius, you know. Yeah. And even in that film, they were able to sort of address some of those tensions between Black Americans and yeah. Africans. And Africans, yeah. You know? yeah. Let me tell I you, in all that. honesty, there's not supposed to be any division, any kind of division, you know. Agreed. There's not supposed to be. Because let me tell you, I, I, like I said in my stand up, I said, when we're in Nigeria, we will speak like African Americans. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We won't speak like them. We speak like them. Our actors speak like them. Our radio hosts speak like them. Our mm-hmm. TV hosts speak like them. So, you know, and we, we come with the impression that once we land, we'll be welcomed with open arms. But that wasn't the case in all, you know, situations. And I'm like, there's no reason, because let me tell you, as an African-American, if you come to Africa, we welcome you with open arms. We're, we're just glad, oh my God. So that's why, you know, we claim, we lay claim to any African-American that has any bit of African identity in them. Like they say, oh, mm. their father is Nigerian, their mom is Nigerian. We're like, yes, they are one of us. You know, we're always happy to hear that. Mm. Yeah. And that's what I've told people. So interestingly, you know, as I said, I'm born here. I was born here. Mm-hmm. And I experienced the same kinds of tensions where while growing up, African-Americans would think that I thought I was better than them. And, you know, there were some tensions and I was confused because I'm just like, I'm just a kid. I, I don't know. I don't know all these things that you're, you know, like you're talking mm-hmm. about. But I, I myself had to learn about all the things you mentioned, redlining, mm-hmm. um, systemic racism and all this. Because mm-hmm. my father, he really drilled in me that you are Nigerian. Not that you're mm-hmm. better, but that you are not American. And so I oh, yeah. focus a lot on- You have on, an African identity. Yeah. yeah. And so the more I got to develop friendships with other Black Americans, the more I saw- just how important it was to have that African identity and just how mm-hmm. hurtful for some of my friends, at least, that it was that they didn't have those ties. But then I would meet some Black Americans from the South and they would tell me, my mom used to tell me, um, when you comb your hair and it breaks, put it in the toilet, do not put it in the trash. And I would say, why? And she said, you never know who's going to take your hair. So I remember telling one friend and she said, yeah, my grandma told me the same thing. And there's a Yoruba representation uh, or mm-hmm. community in the South. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, we're, we're so much more connected than we realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wish we we paid more attention to that than some of what's happening now, especially with talks of reparations and all that. Right now, there seems to be more of a focus on our differences. But mm-hmm. back to, to comedy. So Yvonne Orji, she tells the story of how when she told her parents that she wanted to be a comedian, you know, they weren't too happy mm-hmm. about it. How did your family mm-hmm. respond when you said, mommy, daddy, I want to make people laugh? What did they say? My, my parents were different. Huh? Of course, you know, in the average, my, my dad was kind of liberal. He was a liberal person. My mom was like, oh, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, whatever you do, just do it well. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, my mom's, you know, whatever you do, do it well. And all that. And, oh. and before I went into full-time comedy, I was already a TV host oh. in Lagos, Nigeria. I was, I used to host a lottery show on TV. So I had an official car, I had a driver. I was doing well, you know, in that oh. entertainment. So. Yeah. And I did say I wanted to be a comedian. I didn't say, I just said I wanted to do entertainment. So in my oh, own case, okay. okay, you know, I just said, oh, I wanted to do entertainment and all that. So mm. yeah, that was my case. So before you did entertainment, did they not push you to be a doctor, lawyer? Of uh, course, engineer? I said, I said, I said I wanted to be a doctor. I okay. wanted to study medicine and surgery. Mm-hmm. Understand? And I was mm-hmm. in science class. Mm-hmm. But it was when I saw my old level result that I knew that okay, right, that was my goal. <laughs> You know, I, I didn't pass any of those science. Aside from biology, I didn't pass chemistry or physics. 
Mm-hmm. Those were just too abstract for me, you know. So right. But I passed my arts classes, even though I wasn't paying attention, and I did well. I had A1 in economics, I had A3 in geography, I had C4 in Christian religious studies, I had C5 in Europe. I'm like, okay, all right. I'm supposed to be in Faculty of Arts. So right. Right. I ended up studying uh, philosophy. But and your parents were cool. They were like, okay, sure, study philosophy. They're just glad that I went to college. Wow, that's just different. Go, go get a college degree. My parents aren't like the average, you know, like Nigerian. That's not, yeah, okay, because fine. the average Nigerian. My, dad, be like, was what? my oh. dad was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. I said I wanted to be a pastor, and you'll be cool with it. You know, okay. uh, my mom was, you know, uh, into all sort of business. She was a seamstress, she was a chef, she was uh business my you know she, she did all sorts right know? so they weren't like particular about oh yeah you have to be this you have to be that just go to college graduate and do something positive with your life and be successful at it that's that's pretty good <laughs> so one writer of a connect nigeria wrote that your new special highlights the contradictions of being nigerian in america can you share mm-hmm. one or two things that you identify as contradictions that or contradictions that you observe well, you know how the, uh, you know, like media portrays, you know, the average Nigerian in America. Oh, yeah, they are, oh, yeah, they are into illegal this and that. But, you know, the longer I stayed here, I realized some, you know, interesting facts. Number one, Nigerians are the most educated any group in North America. Number two, we have the highest number of black doctors in America. We, yeah. One out of every three black nurses mm-hmm. in America is a Nigerian. One out of three. Mm-hmm. Blackness in America is mm-hmm. in Nigeria. You understand? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's no Ivy League college you go in America that you don't find in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So we, we are people of excellence. It's true. And that was what I tried to, I was trying to change the narrative with my stand-up special. Right, right. I want to tell every Nigerian is that if you're in Nigeria and you watch my stand-up special, you'll be more proud to be a Nigerian or to be of Nigerian descent when you listen to it. Right, you know? right. So yeah, that's what I highlighted. So, do you see yourself as a Nigerian-American? I should have started with that. Do you see yourself as, as well, a Nigerian-American or a Nigerian in America? Yeah, I'm a mixture of both. Okay. Because, I mean, I have dual citizenship, you know, so on okay. paper, I'm a Nigerian-American. Okay. But in actual reality, I am a Nigerian in America because I was already in my 30s. Yeah. So I came here. Yeah. So I wasn't shipped by the American culture. I was shipped more right. by the Nigerian culture. Right. So even even though I've been here for over a decade, I still see America from the eyes of an African immigrant or a Nigerian immigrant. Yeah, mm-hmm. you understand. I still right. eat Nigerian food more than I eat American food. Is there the only any... American food I eat is breakfast, lunch, dinner, Nigeria. Is there any part of you that you see as American? Any part of your consciousness, the way you think, or everything you do? Well, you... it is it is the part that wants a change, wants accountability. You know, um, you understand, like, you know, that that's some of the problem we're having in Africa, you know, uh, the lack of accountability and, right. you know, uh, people using age to bamboozle, you know, the next generation, instead of them to be accountable, like, how dare you talk to me like that? Am I your bait? Right, right, you use that right, to cover yeah. redundancy, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and shortcomings. You know what I'm saying? So right. that's, that's the path for me. I want things to be done the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, the level of corruption in Nigeria is just too much. Right. It's too much. It's overwhelming. You know, I just want leaders who care about more about their people than their people. Do you think you would ever go back to Nigeria? Do you aspire to I go back? To, to do you aspire but to I settle can't. there? I know, I know I can't settle in. Every time I go to Nigeria, I have after like I'm not gonna lie to you, 
every time I go to Nigeria after 10 days, I start having like a panic, I get into panic mode, like, yo, I gotta be back. I have to go back. Why? Things just don't work. Things don't mm. work. You know, let me tell you, it takes you traveling out of Nigeria to realize that you're living a substandard kind of lifestyle. Mm. Because number one, the government don't take care of you like they're supposed to. Mm. For instance, let me tell you, the ineptitude of Nigerian government was grossly displayed during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of the palliatives, why would the government be hiding palliatives? Why? What kind of, what level of wickedness would make you hide palliatives from the people you're supposed to give it? While mm-hmm. other countries are trying to take care of their citizens, sending mm-hmm. them food, giving them money, like in America, people were getting stimulus checks, people were getting unemployment money. Nigerian government was not doing any of that. The mm-hmm. palliatives you're supposed to release, you're hiding it. The mm-hmm. money you're supposed to give it, you're not giving it. Mm-hmm. What kind of government does that? Mm-hmm. And you want people to be loyal to that kind of government? Mm-hmm. And you're surprised by the, the rate that people are just leaving the country. Right. You understand? Right. That's yeah. why people want to get out. That's why everybody wants to get out. You know? Right. That's why you find Nigerians all over the world because everybody, even if it is Afghanistan, Nigerians don't mind as long as they're not in Nigeria. Right, right, right. You know, so there's a need for structural change. There's a need for restructuring. And when that is done, so it has nothing to do with colonial mass. You can take care of neocolonialism. You can take care of that when you focus more on your people. Look at. So if Nigeria were to be restructured, would you go back to I mean, stay? To, I, I, I just, to stay, stay, I can't. To, to live and to die but, and to but be But I can do, you know, you know, but I can do like on and off, like, you know, what you spend like a month in Nigeria, you go back, spend four or five months here, go back. Because of course you miss hope sometimes. I was recently home in March. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I was then home in March to promote the Netflix special that was released all over Africa. Mm-hmm. It was released all over Africa, right? Because it was a regional deal with God. But I love going home. But after a while, the state of lawlessness, it gets to you. And I'm like, you know what? Because I have an option. Mm-hmm. I have an option not to stay in that level of lawlessness. So I just leave. Do you feel... You know, thank God for that. Do you feel like America is home? A second home for you? I mean, this is where my family is. My children are here. Mm-hmm. You know, and where your family is, is where your heart is. Mm-hmm. So this is this is home for me for now. Mm-hmm. But of course... Where I was born and raised is still home. I still have siblings, you know, over there, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I I know some people who say that they don't feel like this is home, even though their children are here because of the racism, because of missing home. And they would want to bring their children back home with them. One day they Mm -hmm. dream, they dream of that. But for you, Mm -hmm. you're saying that this is home as long as your family is. Let me tell you, there's always an easing somewhere. If it is not racism, it is tribalism right. or classism or nepotism. Right. So right. You, you have to choose, you, know, you, you choose, you choose what battle you want to fight. <laughs> right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So, but one thing I realized about the American system is that if you can work hard, mm-hmm. you get a reward for your money. Working hard in Nigeria does not necessarily mean you get a reward for your money. But here, it is certain that if you work hard, it, it is only in America that I see I'll be on the same flight with my plumber. I'll be on the same flight with my housekeeper. I'll be mm-hmm. on the same flight with the handyman. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Because they're mm-hmm. working hard, they're making their money. We can be on the same flight on vacation mm-hmm. with, with our children. Mm-hmm. That don't happen in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. You will see a handyman in Nigeria on the same flight going on vacation with you. In Let somebody prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, more opportunities are created here. So until something like that happens in Nigeria, what are you, what are you going there to? 
to do, do just go on holiday you know and you need to just you know mm-hmm. let off the steam and all that so your special is a window into Nigeria for American audiences. What do you hope for Americans to see about Nigeria? Well, when, Ameri- when, when Americans watch it, they will have more respect for Nigerians because, you know, what I realize that it is only when like negative news or negative activities that Nigerians do that it is all over the media. So the things they don't tell you about Nigerians mm-hmm. is what I highlighted in my um, special. In special. And you you said I let them know that we are people of excellence. I let them know that we are people of culture and tradition. We are people who, you know, we have morals. Right. And we have higher number of people doing good in America or higher number of people contributing positively to America than even, you know, all those, the, the, the people who do negative, uh, like the numbers are so inconsequential that we, we don't even, you know, but the way they blow it out. Right. Plus you have out of proportion. You have that everywhere. There's no place that you will go that no matter who, no matter exactly. what color, so there are people that's who are trying to I scam say. you. It, it, we're still back to what we're saying about what the media is, right. it is what the media portrays. So, you know, like right. in, in some quarters where you, when they ask you, oh, I sense, I, I hear an accent, where are you from? You say Nigeria. You know, they're like, oh, okay, you're the one sending me those emails. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the prince. But I don't hear, where are you from? I said, yeah, they don't say, oh my God, are you a doctor too? That's what mm-hmm. I want to hear. Yeah. Not, are yeah. you the one sending me the email? I want to hear, oh, are you a doctor too? Or are you a lawyer? Are you an engineer? Because there's more Nigerians doing that than doing something negative. So that was the narrative I wanted to correct. And that's a nice transition into another question I had about this transnational success of Nigerian entertainment today. Much Uh more collaboration with Afrobeats artists. Nollywood is being filmed in Atlanta. (laughs) There's been more coming together. I'm curious about your thoughts about that. Do you think that it, it's useful, that, it's, that it has the potential to shift our ideas about Nigerians in America? Yeah, well, it just shows that when Nigerians have the right uh, environment to explore their talents, they can rule the world. This is as simple as that. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? When Nigerians have a conducive environment to explore their talents, they can rule the world. If you check Hollywood, if you look at African immigrants in Hollywood, there's a lot of Nigerians. Some of them are of Nigerian descent, first generation, second generation, and I, you don't even know. Mm-hmm. The, what's his name? The, the one in seven, seven years of sleep. Chidewell, Ejiofor. Chidewell, I've mentioned Chidewell, but the Yoruba dude, mm-hmm. I've forgotten his name. I don't know why I forgot his oh. name. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of Americans don't know that Shade is Nigeria. They just say, oh my God, I want Shade. I say, it's not Shade, it's Shade. Shade you know, she's from, yeah. she's from, is it Ondo or your state? You know, she was born in Baltimore, but she's from Ondo state, you know. Mm. Or so, Ekiti, I can't know, I can't remember. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I, I let them know that, look, there's a lot of Nigerian excellence around you. That's why, right. you know, you have the David Doe, the Whiskey, the right. Baller Boy. Right. Techno, yeah. you know, all of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm noticing among younger generations that they are they are saying, Oh, you from Nigeria? Oh, yeah, I know Burna Boy, I know Wizkid. And I'm wondering yeah. if that's helping to shift the perception of Nigeria. Let me tell you, I think it, it, it's some of the ripple effect from Black Panther ever since Black mm, Panther came. You think so? Okay. Um, yeah, there's been more appreciation for African culture. Boris Kojo and his wife created the year of the return in Ghana. Oh, wow. You understand? Mm-hmm. So they created the year of the return in Ghana. Yeah, so a lot of people have been going to Ghana. So yeah, stuff like that. So ever since uh, Black Panther came, you know, there's been more appreciation for African outfit, African fabrics, 
African right. language. Yes. I'm going to Africa for you know vacation. Going to Africa for holiday right. and stuff like that. And do you think that and African music, Afri- right. everything, Afri- African dance? You know, if people want to do Afrobeat dance, I know a lot of Americans who have who attend Afrobeat dance classes. Yeah, they do Afrobeat. Uh, they listen to Afrobeat music. You know, even Nollywood movies are you know, like big now. So, so do you think that these collaborations have the potential not only to shift ideas about Nigerians, but also bring Black Americans and Africans Definitely. Together. You see what Beyonce did with, um, right. you know, with an album Line. featuring like, what, probably like 10 African artists. Yeah. yeah the Line so yeah, the, yeah, you know, and more and more people, you know, since Beyonce has sampled that, more and more, you know, we know Drake did something yeah. with Biscuit. Yeah. We know that uh, David Doe has a collaboration with Nicki Minaj and a lot of American rappers and all that. Right. So very right. soon, you know, we, before you know it, and that's another advantage of social media. Social media is actually even bringing the world together as one. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, a last few questions. So, I saw you hanging out with the OG, RMD. Are you doing a film that you can share with us? No, I actually was uh, in Miami for a concert. I, they happened to be shooting a movie, so I decided oh, to go. Oh, you just crashed. <laughs> you just crashed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I just Okay. Like, I went to show my support and all that. So, yeah. That oh. was, was, was AY's movie. That is due to be released in December. So I said, all right, since I'm in Miami, I've just, I checked, I was like 20 minutes away. I'm like, okay, all right, I'm coming. Okay, cool. And that was, you know, what was going down right there. Well, do you have any more information for us about when your special is going to be released here in the States? Well, we're, we're still working on it to be released in the States and uh, in Europe. So, okay. you know, we, we, we keep pushing, but, you know, right now we're getting ready to shoot the sequel. To that oh wow you know okay. there were some issues there were some technical issues with the first one that we mm-hmm. couldn't correct so mm-hmm. that was why it would have been a global deal but that was why it was released strictly to africa so okay. but now that we have learned our lesson that we know so we're getting ready to work on the next one okay it's going to be bigger better and it's going to be a global one you know okay so, but, you know hopefully they're still going to release this one globally you know we're, we're, work, we're praying we're working on it we're pushing yeah to have it released can listeners find any of your um, material on YouTube? Any other shows? Oh, yeah, that you yeah, have? yeah. I uh, just punch my name, Shay Brown. You see Shay Brown. You know, I do a lot of church events too because mm-hmm. I was raised in a church, but that was a pastor. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you see, I think I have over 20 videos, you know, on YouTube. On YouTube. I don't have a private page yet, but I'm working on it. Okay. Well, I thank you so much for sharing your time with me and for sharing your perspective on the experience that Nigerians have here in the in the States. And I really appreciate your insight into those tensions between American Blacks and African Americans. So, I mean, Africans <laughs> in America. So thank you so much. And I look forward to My seeing pleasure. your special. My gosh, Grace, you say so. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, and you'd like to help support the podcast, share with others and leave a rating and review. You can also follow the Unapologetically Us blog. That's un-apologetically-us.com. Dash dash